How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for a bonus edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com and everywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm Rob DeMello and joining me, my main man, Rich Miano. And Rich, I mean, this is 2020 in a nutshell, bro. We do the first episode of Bose Football Final. We're talking about the, the amount of mystery. That's the whole storyline of the episode, right? Is the mystery of this football team we don't get to see them practice we don't get to see how they've developed we don't even have a depth chart and then a couple of hours after we post the first episode of Bose football final uh brings the depth chart but if there's one thing we do know is that it is officially football season because i'm making you do extra work right that, that's how you know it's football season yeah that and like you talked about what a mystery when i'm talking about tight ends and there's no tight ends i'm talking about linebackers that are now defensive ends. I'm talking about safeties that are now linebackers. So good thing we're putting in the work and we got a lot of work to do before this opener on Saturday. Yep, that's right. Saturday against Fresno State on the road, starting the modified eight game Mountain West Conference season for the University of Hawaii football team. But the whole reason why we're here right now is to talk about this depth chart, which may sh- which should be noted, the very first depth chart in the Todd Graham era Uh, here at the University of Hawaii. So let's start on offense and no surprise with the offensive line. When you look at the tackles being Il Manning and Gene Pryor, we knew going in that that's what it would be. Kole Vau, Solovai Pulu as guards. Taongo to Ulima at the center position with Michael Elatise, Mr. Versatile. You could imagine being first off the bench because he can play multiple positions. You move to quarterback, Shevin Cordero, surprise, surprise co-captain of this football team, a returning sophomore with tons of experience based on really this is his third season in the program. But one question you had was, who will it ultimately be when the depth chart is released? The number two quarterback, and it ends up being Boone Abbott, a sensational recruit out of Utah a couple of years ago. He's now a redshirt freshman and has that number two spot, Rich Miano. Yeah, 6'2", 190 pounds. You mentioned he's been in the program, has thrown a lot of balls in his uh, short career here with the University of Hawaii. But the coaches must have seen something in terms of not only picking up the system, but being able to make all those throws. He's got to be athletic. And uh, it'll be interesting. You know, we all hope that Shevin stays healthy. But in this type of league, in any league, the backup quarterback sometimes is the second most important guy on the roster. Absolutely. And when you look at a position group, that was probably the one that carried the most amount of interest and to see what was going to happen, what's it going to look like when when, when they hit the field on Saturday against Fresno State, I think receiver is number one on that list. And when you look at the depth chart, you have Rico Bussey from North Texas, who you talked about, probably the number one guy in regards to NFL potential or next level potential. Then you have Lincoln Victor, Zion Bowens, and Jared Smart. Jared Smart, of course, coming back from an 1100 yard season and eight touchdowns for the Rainbows uh, or five touchdowns. And he had two of them in the Hawaii Bowl. And then you look at the backups, Melky Stovall, James Phillips, Nick Mardner, Dior Scott. When you see these eight receivers on the two deep for this Rainbow Warrior football team, at that pass catching position, what stands out to you? What surprises you? I think Lincoln Victor, you know, he's only been in the system one year, but we all know he was one of the best players in the state of Washington. And he showed flashes last year in terms of being in that slot as a punt returner, as a kick returner. But he beat out Marquis Stovall. And we all know we're going to see a plethora of receivers. And we may even see guys that ain't even listed on the two deep. But Lincoln Victor beating out 
a guy who I thought Marquis Stovall is one of the most explosive players we've seen in Hawaii in a while shows you what kind of talent that young man has. So that's a surprise. And I also think that Nick Martin not starting is a good sign. I mean, if you even watch film last year and seen the emergence, especially in the BYU game of Nick Martin, and you know, he's not starting. If there's no state, you got to be a little nervous that these guys go eight, if not nine, a 10 deep at the wide receiver position. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, too, with this Rainbow Warrior offense, and especially that pass catching position, when you see that certain names are not on the list, and, and for, for instance, uh, Jonah Pinoke, who was in the program for a couple of years, red shirting, and then now here he is with an opportunity to play, you would imagine, there shouldn't be cause for concern for a player like that. Because if there's one thing we've learned about the Todd Graham style, whether it was at Tulsa or eventually at Arizona State, was that he plays his playmakers. I mean, even if it's getting a guy in uh, in a couple of packages, when you look at the participation charts of some of his former teams, they outweigh the opponents that he's facing. And if you remember in the 2010 Hawaii Bowl, for instance, there was nine ball carriers for the Golden Hurricanes in that game nine different guys caught passes. And then there were games in that same year in 2010 where 11 different players had at least one reception. So there's an opportunity in this offense that if you can play and you can help this football team, it might not be as many snaps as you'd like, but he's shown in the past that he gives his playmakers an opportunity, right? Yeah, and you can even go all the way down to the prized recruit of Tamatoa Makiao Ati Malala. That guy can also play. So, you know, the thing about playing multiple people is the fact that they're involved in the game plan. They're going to take a shower. They're going to be responsible for W's or L's. If they don't know their responsibility and their packages say six to 10 plays, then they may not play as much the next week. But I think what it does, it involves everybody. They're studying harder. They're preparing better. And I love the philosophy of playing. If you can be a playmaker and you are a baller, get him on the field. You know, uh, one guy, before we move on to another position, Zion Bowens, not talked too much about, but came in with a lot of accolades in regards to being a star at the junior college level. He is a guy that is six feet, 200 pounds. But when you see him, when you see him on video, when you see him even walking around in pads, it's, it's the biggest six foot, 200 pounds you've ever seen. It's almost like one of those MMA fighters that you, you look at like a Max Holloway and say, how does he get to 145 pounds? How, how, how is he the same weight as that guy right there? And I think with Bowens, that is one of those players that, that really jumps off the stat sheet because of what he's been able to do here. But for him to work his way to number one receiver at the University of Hawaii, in a short amount of time, that tells you about the potential talent of this guy. Yeah, and I've heard, Rob, from one of my sources today told me that, you know, I talked about Bussy's speed. He said this guy may be faster. So if that's the case, taking the top off defenses, you know, and even if you're not the have the world's greatest hands, if you can run vertical, that stretches these zones out. That puts pressure on man coverage. And when you have speed all over the field, it's, that's the noticeable change between mid-level conference and, you know, the autonomous power five conference guys. They have speed at every position.
And I think it's safe to say that the feel-good story heading into this UH football season, and when you look at the the COVID-19 pandemic, and at, at the time, everyone was at home on lockdown, watching Netflix, and then Last Chance You, the, the, the most popular guy on the show, the face of the show really, in Dior Scott, comes to the University of Hawaii. For him to show up on the two deep for this first game as a Rainbow Warrior, uh, how much of a testament is that to, to this young man who we, we spoke with last chance you and Laney head coach John Beam uh, not that long ago when, when that show first came out and he talked about how hard of a worker he is and how much he's put into this craft of, of being a college football player and for him to be a number two receiver for the Bows, how special is that? Well, John Beam, you know, you go all the way back to guys like uh, not past Jared Smart, you can go Back Devon to Bess. number seven, Devon Bess. And yeah. when you talk about John Beam, one of the most successful coaches, but I think what was really heartfelt to me is the fact that he was almost homeless. The fact that he was working that job in the fast food industry and still having to go to class, going to practice. People have no idea when you're a walk-on, when you, when you don't have a lot of financial ability, how hard it is to be a student athlete. And for that young man to go through those couple of years at at Laney and now to be here at the University of Hawaii. And he has a tremendous fan base because people love the underdog story. And he's, it's perfect because there's no better place to be an underdog than the University of Hawaii because this school was built with walk-ons and guys that nobody gave a chance. Guys like the man that I'm talking to right now, Rich Miano out of Kaiser High School, walk on turning into all wagon to an 11 year career in the National Football League. So you definitely know what you're talking about when it comes to that subject. Uh, moving to running, running back now, Miles Reed, the returning running back. He almost had a thousand yards rushing last year. He's a co-captain this UH football team. And then right behind him is Calvin Turner, who Earlier today on Bo's Football Final, I talked about him being the most intriguing player on this football team. A dual threat quarterback at Jacksonville comes to UH, which means that he's lining up at running back, but he can be able to play many different positions in this offense. So uh, when it comes to the running back position, what really jumps out to you? Well, we've mentioned a lot of statistics with Miles Reed, but he did get better in pass protection. He is going to have to be a more versatile back in Todd Graham's offense. And, and I think the thing that you mentioned about is if this young man, his backup, uh, Calvin Turner, can be the Taysom Hill. I mean, you can throw the ball. You can line him up at different positions. He can get under center. He can do the wildcat. There's so much versatility with a former quarterback. And those guys know how to read defenses. Those guys know the, uh, all the checks and all the things that are going on analytically. And uh, I think this uh, it's a powerful thing for him to be the backup and being out a guy like uh, Day Day Hunter, a prized recruit. That shows you how good this young man is to be in that mix. And moving over to defense now, when you look at the, the I think the pillars of, of this defense, uh, both figuratively and when you look at when they walk on the football field, um, Panay Pavihi and Darius Musau, who were linebackers last year, converted to defensive end. You imagine pass rush defensive ends in this War Dog defense. It looks very clear to me that speed is the name of the game when it comes to this defense. 
Yeah, and, and you said it best. Put your 11 best football players on the field. And then also, when you talk about are we a 3-4, are we a 4-3, are we a 5-2, are we going to substitute the nickel package? Guess what? When you put the 11 best guys on the field and you put Darius Musau at end in certain packages, he's going to move to inside or outside linebacker. When you put a guy like Panay Pavihi in the middle, he can also, like – Jelani Tavai line up as a defensive end because he has long levers, because he has good hips, because he can rush the passer. So there's all kinds of things that you can see off this depth chart. Uh, safeties becoming linebackers, corners becoming safeties, and just being able to get 11 guys on the field. And you know what it does? Todd Graham understands this. If you go up-tempo offense and you don't allow the defense to substitute, guess what? You better have your 11 best players. And those players can have to be able to line up. The stub linebacker has to become a nickel back. The defensive end has to become a strong side linebacker. You know, if you're rushing three, you're dropping eight. If you're rushing four, you're dropping seven. If you're going to go man coverages, that guy have the ability to line up on a slot wide receiver. There's so many things you can do from a technical standpoint with athletes on the field. And strength in the middle of the tackle positions, blessment to Allah and Jonah Laulu, two players that we anticipated seeing on the depth chart at the number one spot on that defensive tackle position. But the thing to, to go back to with the defensive ends, when you have smaller, lighter guys like Apane Pavihi and Darius Musau is that there is the beef still on this team. You got a Jonica Hahavai Welch. You got a Derek Thomas, a Mason Vega, an Alema Kapoy, that in certain situations that if you need a bigger presence, if you need a certain different style in that defensive end position, he has that opportunity. And speaking of Victor Santa Cruz, Todd Graham, and all the defensive coaches, right? Yeah, and you mentioned how much Todd Graham likes to play guys on offense. It's the same way on defense. And it's going to look like hockey. You're going to see a line change. Basically, when it's short yardage, it's third down. You're in the red zone. It, your, your back's against the wall in the goal line. You mentioned all of those guys that are going to be bringing the beef. So they can go big people in a hurry. Okay, and now moving to the linebacking position, when you see that, that Muasau and Pavihi are now on the end position, Jeremiah Pritchard, Corey Bethley, Bethley, who you brought up, a safety move to linebacker, and then Quentin Frazier, a senior from San Diego, California, coming in, um, which if you saw any of the video that we've been showing on KHON2, number nine stands out because he is a big presence. He's someone that definitely takes attention uh, from you when he shows up on the film. So the linebacking core, the, those three, what do you think? Well, here's what I think. I think you, I, when you first saw it uh, years ago, but it really came into place in the National Football League last year. If you're going to defend a guy like Lamar Jackson, you have to have speed on the field at every position. So you're seeing safeties moving down to linebackers. And again, that Corey Bethley can line up at that outside linebacker position and in a heartbeat become that nickelback, become that strong safety. And you're seeing that throughout the depth chart. And what really gives you uh, kind of the – ideas behind this whole philosophy is you look at some of the backups and when you're talking about the linebacker position you know we talked about Isaiah Tufunga but guys like Noah Kamana six feet 190 pound the junior is a backup linebacker so you got Kalamaku whoever also six feet 200 linebackers in the old days Rob were 230 240 250 pounds because they had to take on the lead blocker that big fullback the h-back the stanford stuff that they're doing with multiple h-backs and tight ends you're seeing a lot more spread offenses so guess what defenses are countering with more athletic guys on the field 
the question that you raised earlier on our Bose football final episode was your number one question on the defensive side of the ball was who was going to be the corner opposite Cortez Davis, Cameron Lockridge, definitely someone that was in that mix that you'd imagine would show up there. And that is definitely who ends up being number one on the depth chart opposite of Cortez Davis with Akio Francisco and Michael Washington serving as the primary backups, according to this depth chart, Cameron Lockridge, opposite Cortez Davis, your thoughts? That's another tell to me because Michael Washington and you mentioned the other backup corner, Akil Francisco. Those two guys, I've watched these guys now the last couple of years and I've watched Abraham Elamimim, two of those guys. They're pretty capable players. For them to get beat out and for them to be backups, that's the same sign at wide receiver that we have more athletes. And if there's an Achilles heel besides having a great defensive end in the Hawaii system for the last decade or so, it's having two lockdown corners, two shutdown guys, two guys that you don't have to double over the top, that you don't have to play cover two and cover four, which means essentially your safeties are now not involved in the run game, and that weakens your box. So if both of these guys can play like I think they can, you're going to see cover one and cover zero, which is a lot of man concepts. All right. And staying with the defensive back position, the safeties, Eugene Ford, Kai Kaneshiro, two guys that, that were playing at a young age. Eugene Ford obviously is now a senior and a captain on this football team. Kai Kaneshiro saw some extensive time as a freshman. And then now here they are as the last line of defense for this Rainbow Warrior defense. Um, your thoughts on the progression, because these are two guys that last season – that I would say are probably the two most improved players on the defense when you line them all up. And then here they are now starting the year as starters as safety. Yeah. And, and I think when you talk about Kaneshiro, you saw the three interceptions with which led the team in the regular season, you saw his ability to play the nickel back position and then work into that safety position because he was a corner at St. Louis high school. So the position versatility is great. And I think when you talk about Eugene Ford, you have to talk about how did this guy become captain? He became captain by all the right ways, by studying, by you know being out first to practice, last to leave, by being a great leader. And the fact that this guy is going to be running the secondary back there in terms of making the calls and you know adjusting to certain formations, because you're seeing more motions and shifting in all what we call window dressing. And you have to have a guy that's been around, that's like a coach on the field, and that's Eugene Ford. All right, and moving to the specialist positions, you got Matthew Shipley handling place kicking and kickoff duties. Adam Stack, a transfer from Oregon out of Kamehameha, is the punter with the incumbent punter, Stan Gaudian, serving as his backup, but is also now the holder for this football team. Long snapper, Wyatt Tucker, so that remains the same. But then the interesting ones here, punt returner Lincoln Victor beating up Melky Stovall. Stovall, who had experience in that position last season, and then a kick returner, Day-Day Hunter, a name that you mentioned, the prize recruit of this recruiting class who doesn't show up on the two deep for running back, but shows up number one, a kick returner alongside running back Miles Reed, which I think we got to come up with a nickname for this tandem here because you got Day-Day Hunter and Miles Bam Bam, Bam Reed. So <laughs> I mean, we got to do something like a, like a double trouble or the, the repeat returners or whatever it is. But uh, those are two explosive guys in that position, right? Yeah, and, you know, for the fact that when you look at Stan Gaudian's career, he averaged 41 yards a punt. Last year, he averaged 39.2 yards. For, for, for him to get beat out at that position shows you, again, that these coaches didn't come in and play any favoritisms. 
they evaluated talent. So I think that's a real positive sign that they've got two really good punters with very strong legs. Uh, and the Aussie, I think we'll see in maybe certain situations, you'll see him, you know, roll into his right or roll into his left, kicking with both legs. But uh, Stack's a heck of a football player. And I've watched that guy at Kamehameha and I've watched him at Oregon. And so, but when you talk about Wyatt Tucker, again, perfection did not have a bad snap all last season continuing the great legacy all the way back to the ingram brothers uh the bordens um i'm, I'm thinking of the other young man who was also a long snapper that was a special teams coach last year and the name Brody yeah the, there you go and what it goes to tell you is hawaii is second in all of the FBS not getting a punt block and they're only behind Auburn and I think it's 140 something games now so special teams is important and Hawaii has at least a two deep at every position so again the competition that Todd Graham and his staff Dan Phillips the special teams coach it's not just at the quarterback position you there's no such thing as being an incumbent there's no such thing as you started last year it's made the best man win now, I have a question moving past the depth chart. And, and again, this is just a quick bonus episode, so we're not going to be around much longer. But my question about coming in and coaching a team and a whole new staff, that you felt this in 1999. Yes, you were a part of the University of Hawaii program. Yes, you're alumni. Yes, you, you bleed green. But when you came back to coach this football team, you had been out of the mix in regards to the the rivalries. I mean, the conference looked different than when you were playing there, right? So for Todd Graham and this staff to start their University of Hawaii tenure against Fresno State, which is the biggest rival that the Rainbow Warriors have on a consistent basis, uh, being that BYU doesn't show up on the schedule every single year. It, I, I, I want to pick your brain into, did you feel those games differently? Did you feel the rivalries that existed before you got there? Or is that something that, you know, that, that this coaching staff isn't going to pay much attention to because they've never felt what this rivalry is like. And then when you add to it in Fresno, there's no red mile because there's no fans at the stadium. So you don't have to deal with people screaming at you. You definitely don't have to deal with any screwdrivers being thrown at you. So, uh, you know, just your thought process on that in regards to the, is this even a rivalry game for them? Well, you know, when I first joined the staff in 1999, after playing 11 years in the national football league, I wasn't really aware of how much that rivalry had grown after coaching at the university of Hawaii for 13 years, it was clearly evident. And, and that mile walk from that locker room on purpose with some of the worst behaved fans in the United States and the screwdriver incident. I remember practicing at their practice field and the sororities and the, mainly the fraternities were on the rooftops yelling all kinds of stuff. And you, that you didn't even know was in your bio. I mean, they did great research. Uh, Google just started somewhere around that year. But um, yeah, it, it is something that this coaching staff is going to realize is a tremendous rivalry with Fresno State. And you know why, Rob, the thing about Fresno State is they also have athletes. When you look at the National Football League, you look at what they sent to the, they have a great running back in Rivers. They have a great wide receiver. They have three offensive line men that they're really high on. They, they just named a new starting quarterback, but they're always athletic. They're always physical. And that's where you earn your medal, so to speak. And uh, this is going to be a big game and a big opener for Todd Graham. 
Well, Rich, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We, the depth chart came out. We wanted to talk a little bit about it, see what stood out from, from these two deeps here for the Rainbow Warriors, the first depth chart uh, under head coach Todd Graham for this program. But it's almost go time, man. Saturday at Fresno State, 1.30 p.m. Hawaii time. Uh, you can catch it on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view. We will be a part of that. You will be alongside Robert Kikala with the call. I will be alongside RJ Hollis, Nady Lawa, and Kavika Hallams on the pregame, halftime, and postgame. It's exciting times. We didn't know if this time would come, but it's it, it's approaching pretty fast. Rainbow Warrior football is back, right? Yeah, and I know that myself, Robert, yourself, of course, Nate, and RJ, and David Hallams, we love working for Spectrum. It, it's it, We love talking. We love the banter that goes on. We love the professionalism. And I think uh, what we're really excited about is uh, how many fans are going to turn into this team, tune into this team, which I think it has a chance to be very exciting. We shall see. But as always, guys, stick around because post-football final is back in your life. So download the KHON2 mobile app to get alerts on when a new episode was, has been posted. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And then be sure to look for Bose Football Final everywhere you download podcasts because Bose Football Final here over the next eight, nine, ten weeks uh, will, be, will be coming with the heat here talking Hawaii football. For Rich Miano, I'm Rob DeMello. Everyone have a great night. You take care of yourself. Aloha. <laughs>